Hey Peace Family, I'm John Huneman. The Hoops for Haiti 2021 March Madness Bracket Challenge launches on Sunday, March 14th. All proceeds benefit the Haitian Tamoon Foundation. The suggested minimum donation is $25 per person or $50 per family. All participants who meet the minimum donation will receive a Hoops for Haiti t-shirt. Compete with fellow Peace members and churches all across the country. The CBS Sports sign-up link will be going out soon, so keep an eye out on our social media channels at Peace Gehanna, our website at peacegehanna.org, and stay up to date with more info on our Facebook group called Hoops for Haiti. Okay, here's the sermon. Well, as we make our way through the Lord's Prayer in this sermon series, the line for today is, Give us this day our daily bread. And I was talking with Greta Klaus this week, who was just up here, our children's ministry leader, and she mentioned that when they were younger, when her kids were younger, uh, they used to say the Lord's Prayer um, as a family, and every time that they would do it when they were younger, Griffin would add, and drink, right? Give us this day our daily bread and drink, which actually makes total sense, doesn't it? Because we pray for our daily bread, which is not just bread, right? And it's not just drink either. It's all of our needs. And actually, Griffin, I was told it's his birthday today. And Griffin is right there. So let's say happy birthday to Griffin. You can wave. Yep. This is your big moment, Griffin. It's 12, right? Is it 12? Happy 12th birthday, right? Just a few behind Pat. There we go. All right, moving on before I get into trouble. So it's all of our needs, right? Daily bread. It's our physical needs, but it's also our emotional needs. It's our spiritual needs as well. So it's this reminder as we pray that God gives us everything we have, that everything we have is a gift, whether we've earned it, whether we think we've earned it or not. I love this verse from Deuteronomy that reminds us of the same thing. That verse from Deuteronomy says this, Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. Next slide. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So many of us work hard for things that we get, and that's wonderful, but you couldn't even be able to work hard. That ability comes from God. So as much as we like to think that we are self-sufficient, it's an illusion. Everything we have, everything we are is from God. And especially in this interconnected, globalized world, really everything we have is also thanks to God working through other people in the world around us. And we'll talk more about that a little later. But there was something that I hadn't noticed about this prayer until I heard Shauna Nequist do this reflection on it. She points out that this prayer says, give us this day, today, our daily bread. And that's significant because it's different than saying, give me a monthly supply, or give me an annual, give me my year, give me everything that I need for my whole life so I can feel nice and secure. Jesus doesn't tell us that. Jesus tells us to pray for our needs one day at a time. Now that's hard, isn't it? That goes totally against human nature, especially living in middle-class America. We want to save and be secure. Now for sure, we have issues with greed and hoarding. But actually, this question of daily bread, it, it goes a little deeper than that, of what's okay to save and be responsible? Where does that line draw? That's a good question, but this goes deeper than that. Actually, it goes all the way back to daily bread in Exodus, with the story of manna in the wilderness. Maybe you remember that story when the people of Israel were wandering around in the wilderness, and pretty soon they figured out, we don't have much supplies. 
And since they were out in the wilderness, they had no way of getting enough food for themselves. And so they start to freak out and get angry with God. And God says, don't worry. I'm going to provide you with everything that you need for this journey. And then right after God tells them that, the next morning they wake up and all around them on the ground is covered with this strange white flaky stuff. And they get out and say, what is that? Which in Hebrew is the word mana. The word manna literally means, what is that? Yeah, let's call it that. What's it? They find out, though, that this what's it stuff is bread. And the bread is kind of sweet and it's nutritious. It's everything that they need. And there is enough for everyone to eat. But God tells them, there's a catch, though. This manna has a very short shelf life, so don't store it up. All you have to do is take what you need for your family today and no more. And of course they don't listen. Like, I don't think most of us would have listened to that if we didn't know where our next meal was coming from. Of course, they ate their fill, and then they hoarded up. They took as much as they could of what was left over. But that night, it all goes bad. It's rotten and infested with worms. It's only good for one day. But the next morning, God gives them a new, fresh supply of manna again. And this is how life goes for them for 40 years. Every morning, they have enough for everyone to eat, but it's only enough for that one day. Now notice, with that kind of food supply, there was no good for anyone to hoard anything because it didn't do them any good to hoard up some and leave other people out, and so everyone got their fill. No one was left out. Now, if we measure their economy during that wilderness time, it wouldn't have been very strong, right? There wasn't a lot of growth, not a lot of prosperity, and yet everyone had enough because they took their resources, what they needed, and no more one day at a time. I wonder how often our fear for the future stops us from being generous right now in the present. But remember that daily bread isn't just about food. When I hear that phrase, taking life one day at a time, it actually reminds me of the addiction recovery community. Because there's this realization that when you're trying to stay sober, it can be really paralyzing to try and think of all the struggles that you're going to face in the future. Because then you start to think to yourself, all of these times where I'm really going to want to have a drink, or I'm really going to want to use in the future, how could I possibly keep this up for years and years to come? It's just not going to happen which is why they tell you to take it one day at a time. Just focus on getting through this moment on this day, and that's enough. Tomorrow, you start again. Because guess what? We don't know what's going to come tomorrow, what problems we're going to face, but we also don't know what good things will happen, these unexpected benefits and blessings and people reaching out to us tomorrow that we couldn't have seen coming today. Just a few verses after Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, he says this line, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, Jesus, I have to tell you, that's easier said than done, isn't it? But it's important, especially right now when so many people are experiencing burnout. I think there's a lot of people right now who just think this current pace, this way of life is not sustainable. We can't keep this up forever. We can't have one more day of asynchronous learning. We can't have too much more of what it looks like for some people to be staying home and jobs changing and more stress and anxiety and on and on. We can't do this forever. So maybe we should think of these kind of seasons 
as daily bread days. That we can't see the whole long-term plan. We can't see when and how we're going to get out of this. So Jesus reminds us, don't focus on that. Focus on today, just this moment. And so we pray to God, give us what we need to make it through one more day. And you know what? Like the people of Israel, they looked around, and there was enough for today. Most of the time, we look around, there's enough for today. It may not be a lot, but it's enough to get through one more day. Our daily supply is here. Of course, also remember that our daily bread isn't just ours. It's for everyone. Just like that manna, it was for the whole community. Our daily bread is also the daily bread for our neighbors. So right now, when food pantries, which are relied on more heavily than ever, get stocked up, that is a way to supplement and provide daily bread for our neighbors. A few weeks ago, when First English was asking for coats, because there are so many people in that community who are in need of coats, and you were so generous, we filled up this entire van in no time with all the coats that you donated. That is providing daily bread for our neighbors. And sometimes, what your neighbor needs to make it through the day is just a text or a call. Is someone showing them that someone else in the world cares about them. So when you do that, that is providing daily bread for our neighbors. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, the us is everyone. So one of the side effects of becoming more aware of all the blessings, of all the daily bread that's aware around us, is that it tends to make us more grateful. Even when things are rough, we realize all the things that we still have in our lives to be grateful for. I came across this book recently called Thanks a Thousand by A.J. Jacobs. See, he wrote this book because he was trying in his own personal life with his family to practice more gratitude. He had come across some of these studies that show that people who give thanks more often are happier people. People who are grateful tend to have better outlooks on life. And so he said, I want to be more happy. I want to have a better mood. Let's try it. But then as they were starting to do some of this stuff, his son pointed out to him, Dad, you're telling us before we eat our meal to give thanks for the farmers who grew the food and the grocers who stocked it, but none of them can hear you. It would be a lot more meaningful if you went out and actually thanked them. And so he decided to do it. He went on this journey of gratitude, and he took something that was part of his daily routine, a cup of coffee, which I think is probably the closest thing to daily bread in America. We drink about 400 million cups of coffee every day. Raise your hand if you've had a cup of coffee this morning. Yeah, that's right. Raise your hand if you're gonna later. Exactly, right? It's part of our daily bread. So he decided he was going to go out and thank everyone involved to make this possible, from the farmer who grew the beans to the barista who handed him his cup. And it turns out that he thanked over a thousand people, because there are more than that involved in providing one cup of coffee. You see, there's a whole army of people involved in just this container, because there was somebody who had to design and manufacture the lid and the sleeve and the cup itself. And then there were people who had to produce and transport all the materials for this container. And he said he didn't even come close to thanking everyone. There was no way. Because he thanked the truck drivers who took some of this stuff. But really, 
The truck drivers couldn't have done their job without the vehicles and all the people who created those vehicles. And the vehicles, they wouldn't have done much good without the roads and all the people who planned and create and maintain the roads. Do you see, get a sense of how big this is getting? And we haven't even gotten to the coffee yet. Of course, the coffee itself, the beans for the coffee, there are people in so many different countries around the world that grow and then process and transport all the beans to get them to us. So on the one hand, if you pay $3 for hot water and some bean dust, that's really expensive when you think about it. There's a little bit of bean dust in hot water. But on the other hand, if everyone in this direct supply chain for this cup of coffee was paid the U.S. minimum wage, then it would cost over $20 to produce this cup of coffee. So you see, this is ridiculously expensive, and it's also scandalously cheap. And then there's the water itself. Coffee is 98.8% water, and we forget how amazing Water is, for the vast majority of human history, people would have thought it was a miracle to turn a faucet and have immediate, clean, drinkable water. Of course, millions of people around the world still don't have that kind of access to clean water. We take this amazing source of life for granted. We usually don't give a second thought to where our water comes from. Although a few weeks ago, a lot of us were thinking about that a little bit more after what happened in Texas. And millions of people all of a sudden in the state of Texas were without water and without electricity for a few days. You see, every day that we have running water, every day that we have electricity, that day is a precious gift. So being aware of all, this, all the things that go in to all the everyday things all around us that make our lives possible, it leads us to be more grateful. But as Christians, it does something else. It also calls us to action. So in our prayer, when we come to the Lord's Prayer, we're using a different version every week for this series. And this week, in the version of the Lord's Prayer, when we get to this line, this is what it says. Give us what we need for today and a hunger to see the whole world fed. That's what this is about. You see, when you do a little research into the coffee industry, you find that it's huge. It's an over $100 billion industry around the world, which means that a lot of people are employed thanks to this business of coffee. And this kind of globalized industry is one of the reasons why so many people, millions, have been raised out of poverty in the past several decades. It does a lot of good, but it's not all good either. So here's the reality, fair trade coffee is better than not, but still, if you buy fair trade organic coffee, the system is so vast and complex that there are still people in that system that work in dangerous conditions and they're paid little to no money for what they do to bring us even that fair trade organic ethically sourced coffee. Now, that doesn't make coffee all bad, it just makes it complicated, like everything in our world. But here's what happens when we start to become aware of those kind of realities. Maybe we start to ask the question, how can we do something about that? Is there some way that we can pay attention and advocate for the people in that chain who are being taken advantage of so that they can have a better life? The author of that book 
A.J. Jacobs, he found out a lot about water, and so he researched some water charities. And now he supports, he gives a regular donation to one of those charities that helps provide access to clean, drinkable water. And that story isn't unique. Many of us have had eye-opening experiences that then lead us to action. I know for me, when I went to Haiti in 2016, I had known a lot about Haiti and the struggles in Haiti before that, but there was something about seeing it for your own eyes, the incredible need, the things that people are going through, and then how far every dollar goes when you give to something like HTF. That when I got back, my wife and I started giving a monthly donation to HTF. Now let me be clear, it's not huge. I'm not a saint, right? I'm not the most generous person in the world, but it was something. It's some step. And if every person in this community had some kind of experience that leads us to action, then it does make a big difference in our world. See, this prayer becomes a reality when more people start to get fed by God's daily bread. There's this quote I came across from Millard Fuller. He was the co-founder of Habitat for Humanity. He says this, it is easier to act yourself into a new way of thinking than it is to think yourself into a new way of acting. Now what this means is if you want to change something about yourself, like if you want to become more grateful, but you don't feel very grateful, that's okay. That's okay not to feel more grumpy than grateful. That's all right. But if you just sit around waiting for some magic attitude change, it's probably not going to happen. What works is start to act like you are grateful, even when you don't feel like it. Start to give thanks to God. Start to give thanks to people around you, and then see what happens with your attitude afterwards. So that's what our practice is for today. It's a practice of gratitude, a gratitude journal. Can we put that next slide up? So we're asking you to think about sometime during this week these two questions. How has God provided daily bread for you? And how might you provide daily bread for others? So take some time this week, listen to some music, and make a list, either on paper or in your phone, how are all the ways that God has been present for you or has provided for you? And then start to ask yourself, is there someone in your life that you might be able to provide some of that daily bread to others? And I hope that we can all take some time to do this, but I want to invite us to start right now. Why not? Actually, if you're at home or if you're in house, if you want to think of some of these lists of what your daily bread is and type those in the chat so we can all see our lists of what we're grateful for, and if not, make it in your head or start to write down what are all the ways that God has provided for you in your life lately.